Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Tudor as we talk about the NBA, the NHL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 223. The number 12 Iowa State women's tennis team has advanced to the NCAA quarterfinals after beating UCLA in the Cyclones' first appearance in the Super Regional in school history. They'll play number four NC State on Wednesday in the quarterfinal that this episode comes out. This is also the program's third NCAA tournament appearance in history, which is pretty cool. Uh, that quarterfinal game, like I said, should be on Wednesday the 17th at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. And I believe you can stream it on NCAA.com. I'm not sure of any broadcasts that have picked that up, but... I think it would also be on ESPN Plus, so am I confusing that with the softball? Probably softball. Okay. But yes, you should watch it because tennis is good. Right, Kyle? Yeah. I love tennis. It's great. Also, and the NCAA does it a little weird. Like, they play three doubles matches, but then there's only one point awarded in the yeah. overall match for the doubles matches. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is weird. Anyway, sorry. And for a little bonus fun fact, on this day in Major League Baseball history, seven years ago, Rugnet Odor punched Jose Bautista in the face in a historic brawl in Texas after Jose Bautista slid late into second base. That's still one of the best brawls in modern baseball history. Yeah. It's probably Seven one years of the best ago punches today. in sports history. Uh, if you're, you know, excluding hockey, like... Or like UFC fighting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sports where punching is not a part of the game or accepted in the game, top top five easy. Yeah, that was that was a real brawl. You don't see those very often anymore, especially. So, is that the best thing Rugnet Odor did in his career? Uh, he hit pretty well in he Texas. He was a pretty good hitter, and then he was—I think he was traded, and then he just kind of fell off a cliff. So he played for Chicago for a while, and now I think he's in San Diego. He did play for the Yankees for a bit. I'm pretty sure he's in San Diego because uh, we just the Twins just played San Diego, and I'm pretty sure he was in that lineup. But we also just played the White Sox, so maybe he was in that lineup instead. Let me look. It's certainly what people I think will remember yeah, him he's in most San Diego. for. He's hitting 119 so far this year, so that is at least not very not good. But that's always what I think of whenever I I hear his name is that punch. Bring him to the Royals. That batting average will fit right in. <laughs> Or send him back to the White Sox. It'll fit in there, too. Are you just trying to see if you can get the entirety of the Royals below the Mendoza line? Or what is what is the goal there? Uh, I don't know if the if the team even knows what their goal is anymore. So there you the have it. The goal is to score more runs than the other team. I think for them, it's probably make some money for the owners. When you nearly get swept by the Oakland Athletics, that's a bad Ooh. look. It's really bad. And then you take three out of four from the White Sox. So, And then you proceed to get swept by the Brewers. <laughs> At least the Brewers are good. The Royals are batting 237 as a team right now. So That's higher than the Twins are, I think, for the record. So, wow. That's impressive. It's just that the, the Twins can pitch. Yeah. That helps. There you have it. 
Yeah, I can find this Twins batting average. Hold on, give me a second. I had it on Twitter just the other day. And by the other day, I mean after. And this is after, keep in mind, they scored 18 the runs yesterday. 228. And yeah. tied for last in the league. Somehow the Padres and uh, the Mariners at 225. We just keep hearing about how the Mariners are going to be this awesome super team, and they just keep sucking. They kind of sucked last year. They appear to be sucking this year. Sort of like the Padres. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said it every year about the Padres. It's like they've had an inability to develop players on their own. So they just trade for everybody, which doesn't help you develop any more players because you trade all your best prospects. And they continue to be average. We're not playing fantasy baseball. I am shocked to see that uh, Wyatt, the Chicago Cubs are fourth in batting average. And my my St. Louis Cardinals are seventh, even though both our teams are pretty bad. The Cubs are pretty bad. The Cubs are say, average. They're a lot better than I expected them to be. Sorry, I was I was jumping the gun. They will eventually probably be pretty bad. <laughs> Your Cardinals are just underperforming. They right are now. really poor. Like I really like. Bad. I like they, it. They've come they've come on strong a little bit later. I mean, they're basically they're, they're just last up week. They're no longer like the second worst team in baseball. They're probably like the fourth or fifth worst team in baseball. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, when your ERA is over four and a half, not great. <laughs> to be fair, the Royals' ERA is over 5.4. So, yeah, you can get away with a low batting average if you have the best pitching staff or one of, if not the best pitching staff in baseball, like the Twins have right now. But not if you're going to give up five, uh, five runs a game as a starting rotation. Or if you're the Oakland Athletics, 7.27 ERA, <laughs> which is laughable. And, and, and Oakland is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark to boot. That's very embarrassing. So, anyway, we didn't actually plan about talking about baseball at all in this episode. But, but we did, so yeah, there you there have you it. Little, little bonus section. Uh-huh. We, we did, however plan on talking about um, the NBA. Uh, Ariane, do you want to want to do that for us? I feel like that's kind of your job. I would love to. Uh, a job, I feel like, intimates I'm getting paid, which if you guys are getting paid, I, have, I didn't know that. Um, but we'll talk about it anyway. The conference finals in the NBA have been set. On one side in the West, we have the Denver Nuggets versus the Los Angeles Lakers. The Nuggets managed to take down the Phoenix Suns in embarrassing fashion in game six by winning by 25. Um, the Phoenix Suns were down by 30 last year in the second round and got eliminated by the Mavericks. Uh, it was the same exact story in this game six uh, versus the Nuggets. I believe it was 81 to 51 at the half, which is just really bad. You, that is the most points I think Denver's ever scored in a half in a playoff game. Um, and they just didn't look great. I did think people kind of came down too hard on them. Um, Chris Paul was injured. DeAndre Ayton was injured in that game. Nobody can tell me that they thought this team was going to be the number one seed in the West. They've been number one all year at the Denver Nuggets have when their starting five was Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Landry Shamit, Jock Landale, and Cam Payne. I would wager that you guys probably don't even know who at least two of those people are. 
but people tried to act like they choked this game away. Did they lose by a little too much? Yes, they should have tried a little harder. They did get embarrassed, but this is a good team. And I think this will be kind of a theme as we go along. People seem to just reject the fact that these are really good teams who are playing well, and they just go um, to just trying to belittle the team that lost. Um, On the other side of that matchup, the Lakers managed to put away the Warriors in a similarly convincing fashion, although the series overall was a little bit more exciting. It felt closer, but... You know, the Lakers were just a little bit too good, and Steph Curry just didn't have any help with Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson just playing very poorly, to be honest. And Draymond Green is more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser. I don't know. He's he's not going to win you a game, generally. Um, it'll be interesting to see where the Warriors go from here. It's been a lot of questions. Is this kind of their last dance, their last time together with their big three? Are they going to fall out of title contention if they can't win more this year draymond green has a player option i believe this year which um if he knows what's good for him he probably will accept and move on but we may be looking at the end of this um era of warriors dynasty if not next year than the year after that so very interesting to see if these three guys all in their career in golden state or if they move on after that the only one i would put money on is steph curry will end up in Golden State indefinitely if they know what's good for them. And then in the East, we have the Celtics versus the Heat. The Heat took care of business. Uh, they went 4-1 and one in games where Jimmy Butler actually played. Um, you know, I feel like they won the, how they were supposed to win. It was gross. It was gritty. That's the team they are. The Knicks took a couple off of them, but it wasn't anything crazy there. And somehow, you know, an eight seed ends up in the conference finals over here. And in the West, a seven seed ends up in the conference finals. So after Mike and I were talking about how we should shrink those first round series, because we don't get that many upsets. What do you know? Two playing teams end up in the conference finals. That's how it goes. And then uh, somehow the only series that actually ended up going to seven ended up feeling almost the most disappointing as a series as the 76ers just totally crapped the bed in Boston didn't show up. Uh, it was just embarrassing, and I would not be shocked to see some changes in Philly after this season. I believe they lost. I don't even remember how much they lost by now because it was so boring. That, uh, it was almost 40, right? Uh, let's see. Let me they click on this. Let me see 112 to 88. Okay, and that so makes it sound closer than it was, to be honest. It was brutal. Yeah. I mean... There was one game, it was in the middle of the day, and somehow it was just the stinker. The, six, the Sixers scored 10 points in the third quarter, which was the least points that they've ever scored in a quarter in the playoffs as a franchise. Just a total collapse and a total failure from Joel Embiid, from James Harden. They both were poor at best. Um... I know people are going to pin this all on James Harden. James Harden has a history of collapsing and closeout games, and I can't deny that. However, he did more or less single-handedly win them two of the three games they won in this series. And if you want to look at somebody, it almost has to be Joel Embiid. He just won the MVP of the entire league. And then he comes out and goes 5 of 18. You know, he put up 15 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, and four turnovers he was negative 28 
And then James Harden, who's supposed to be your number two, puts up nine points, six rebounds, seven assists, five turnovers, and is negative 30. When your best two players go, what, eight of 29, you're not going to win any games. And everybody else showed up as much as they probably should have. Joel Embiid was the third leading scorer. Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey outscored him. And I see all these people talking about Doc Rivers this and Doc Rivers that. He's so bad. He doesn't know how to coach. You tell me how you coach that. How do you coach your team just not playing well? They just didn't shoot the ball. Yeah, did I miss the part where Doc Rivers told Joel Embiid to have a bad game? Right, just like, try and miss was, was everything. Was that in the game plan? Yeah, just, just miss most of your shots. Yeah. Nobody did. Like, I know Doc Rivers was a, he, he was a good player back in the day. He was pretty good. I think he got made an all-star team once. But, like, unless you think he's going to put on those little short shorts that he wore in his playing days and get out there and play point guard, what exactly do you want him to do? I mean, in addition to Joel Embiid just laying a huge stinker on offense, he also got hunted to death on defense. They put him in the pick and roll. Jason Tatum was switching onto him and just draining everything. I think he had at least three three pointers right over Joel Embiid's head. By the way, in me talking about how bad the Sixers were, I forgot to mention Jason Tatum scored 51 freaking points. He didn't even need them. He could have scored like 17 and they'd be fine. But he had one of the games of a lifetime, literally broke a record for most points in a game seven that was set last week by Stephen Curry. So incredible effort from him. And like, We heard all season that one of the reasons Joel Embiid should win this MVP, you know, Nikola Jokic shouldn't win three in a row. Joel Embiid plays both ways. He's such a good defender. And all I saw was a series where everybody said Nikola Jokic is going to get hunted to death in the mid-range versus the Suns. They won that series pretty handily. And then you see Joel Embiid just get eviscerated, basically, by the Celtics. Not that he shouldn't have won that MVP. He had a great year. But I'm just saying, maybe that's not the argument that we think it is. Is Joel Embiid really a better defender than Jokic? I, I don't know about yeah, he that. Is. Oh, he, is he? he definitely is. Jokic has gotten better, but he just, if you watch the games, most of Jokic's defense comes from one, he's really big, <laughs> two, he's really wide, and he has really quick hands for a center. So he's going to knock the ball loose while you're coming up, but his actual rim protection. It's pretty damn bad, to be honest. He just kind of moves his hand down. He just kind of swats at it. And if he doesn't get it, he's just going to let you score. Um, so, you know, Joel Embiid is definitely a better defender, but that did not prove out in this series. Um, but it'll be interesting. I think there may be some changes there as well for the Sixers. And maybe joel Embiid will start facing some more scrutiny because once you win an mvp and you're supposed to be the best player in the league or at least one of the best players in the league you don't just get to bow out early every year i saw something that said joel Embiid is the only mvp in league history that has never made it out of the second round of the playoffs so i mean there's something there that you can think about um do you guys have any thoughts on any of those series or i mean it was just the fact that you know there's Joel Embiid calling everybody out, and I, I don't know. He doesn't seem to take accountability on himself or for himself, yeah. maybe. Um, I, I think you're talking about the quote where he said, 
James and I can't James, win by yeah. ourselves, right? James and I can't win by ourselves. People said that quote was taken out of context, and I disagree with that. Honestly, there uh, was situ- that was the sentence the before that. The sit the sentence before that was like, "I take responsibility. It's all on me. I need to be better." But that's a full sentence, right? And then your next sentence was, "Everybody, we can't win by ourselves. Everybody needs to be better." You said both things. In my opinion, after you just said it's all on me, then proceeded to put it on other people. Is it all on you or did you just say that? I don't think it was really that out of context. And maybe it just sounded weird and I get it. It's probably hard to do interviews after you just got disappointed that hard. But I I don't think that was a good look either. Especially to take it to a game seven and then flop so drastically compared to how you played like the rest of the series was confusing to say the least. So literally and metaphorically flopping as James Harden and Joel Embiid are known uh, free throw hunters. Uh, but you can't say that you can't win it by yourselves when two people on your team scored more points than you and James. I don't think you were doing it by yourself. They were trying. They did what they could do. You, you guys are supposed to be top 75 Hall of Famers do that and then i wanted to go back to the suns like all credit to the nuggets they you know obviously were the better team throughout the season they won the game they finally made it to a conference finals after the past couple of years of of you know kind of meltdowns in the playoffs the first couple of rounds but with the suns it was obviously apparent that chris paul is old uh kevin durant can't do it all by himself and neither can Devin Booker. Devin that, Booker that was spectacular in that round. Right. That team needs some other some supporting players and they had to trade them all away for Kevin Durant. So we'll we'll see what that team looks like going forward, but man, they they have an interesting situation on their hands and I as you're going to mention here in a bit I was very surprised at one of their moves at the end of the season. Yeah, I think they would have benefited from maybe setting expectations to next season. I think it's almost more realistic to compete next season. You just traded away all of your bench. You don't have time to replace that. I guess you can hope that you're going to hit that perfect storm where Chris Paul is healthy and everybody gels super fast and you just win this year, but like, they just didn't have the depth. Everything needed to strike perfect with their starting lineup, and it just didn't happen. And, you know, that's a risk that you're going to take. If you can get Kevin Durant in this league, you just kind of have to do it. He's a top 10 player, and I get that. But, I mean, once you get two starters out in the playoffs and you're playing the best team in the West, it, it just is what it is, and you're not going to win that most of the time. And then the situation with Aiton in this offseason is going to be weird. He seemingly had a really bad relationship with the coach. He doesn't seem to want to play for the Suns at all. So, yeah, we'll definitely see what happens there. But that does transition me into a a little topic I would like to talk about here, which is uh, just coaching. I don't really understand the argument. We've fired a lot of good coaches this season, right? They fired Monty Williams after they got out of the playoffs. Um, they just fired. Well, so, so right there, right there, just stop yeah. right there. So if DeAndre Ayton had a problem with the coach, does that solve the DeAndre Ayton problem? Were they looking in short? Like, 
internally to say, let's try and say, keep DeAndre Ayton here and then get rid of the coach? That is a possibility. I don't know. I don't think that that fixes it. I don't think he wants to play for them anymore, regardless of the coach who's in there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try and trade him away. You know, last season they waited, they waited, they didn't offer him anything. The Pacers gave him a, an offer seat and they matched it. Um, and then after that, apparently Monty and Aiton didn't speak to each other for the entire offseason, which that's not great. You don't like that for a player. And also two grown men who are just like sulking and won't just call each other on the phone is a little bit embarrassing, in my opinion. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. Maybe the coach does fix it. Maybe he's just ready to come to work and happy to be there now that they fired Monty. I don't know. But this is a guy who was just in a finals two years ago, right? Yep. Um, the, uh, the Raptors fired Nick Nurse. Iowa's own Nick Nurse. Yeah. The Milwaukee Bucks fired Mike Budenholzer. I mean, I'm looking at this and three out of the last four championship winning coaches have been fired by their teams, right? Like the Toronto Raptors fired Nick Nurse. The Los Angeles Lakers fired Frank Vogel. The Milwaukee Bucks fired Mike Budenholzer. The Boston Celtics were in the game but didn't win it. Emi Odoka, obviously a different situation. Phoenix Suns fired Monty Williams. And it's like Tyron Lue even for the, the Cavaliers. These leases are so short now that I don't know what you expect from a coach. Do you have to win the championship every year? They're short everywhere. I mean, look at the look at the course of action in even college athletics where teams make buyouts for good coaches, you know, really high, but like if you don't perform in your first couple of seasons, you're you're out. They got to find the next guy in order to get, you know, what they say, butts in seats. Like that's that's what it is, right? If you like one, two years maybe to prove yourself and then you're out. Um, Auburn just, Auburn football just did that with their head coach. He was there for like one or two years and there, there you go. That wasn't good enough. Get out of here. Goodbye. And Doc Rivers is probably gone as well. So you're looking at, this is league rankings, not, not just different um, divisions, but you have the number one record, the number three record, the number nine and the number 18. All playoff or play in teams, all of those coaches will be gone. And I guess my question is like, what do they need to do to be there? Can people not take, can people not understand that sometimes players just are bad? We never see players take any accountability. Anytime the players are poor for an entire series, we then blame the coach. Sometimes the coach can only do so much. He's not playing the game. And does the regular season matter? Does it matter if you had a good regular season? Those are the games people get to go to as well. I feel like it's a, a symptom of this whole social media thing where people just make fun of you unless you have a ring. It doesn't matter. Like Games are games, right? Like That's why we play the sport. There's other things other than winning a championship every year. Is it okay to be a top four seed and get close? Apparently not. I just, I don't, I think that the, expectations are so ridiculous at this point that we're firing coaches and expecting we'll just magically get a better coach. I don't know that you will get a better one. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to fire, in my opinion, all those guys, or at least most of them, top 10 coaches in the league. And what we're probably going to see is a ridiculous swap around of these same damn coaches. 
just go into different teams. And I don't know the results are going to be that different. I just don't understand what the point is of just throwing away a known commodity to just say, maybe it'll get better. It doesn't always get better. You know, like the Raptors got lucky going from Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse. That is not standard. To me, what it says is that, right, that NBA coach doesn't matter, right? Or at least that's got to be the perception, right? Like if we can just fire good ones, that probably doesn't matter. We're just doing it to do it. Doesn't matter, right? To me, that's the perception I get. Is that they that executives think the an NBA coach doesn't matter, so they're willing to move on just to make a change because they don't they figure it doesn't matter. I don't know whether or not that's true, but that's the only explanation I can come up with. I agree that it does seem to be the perception, but then you point out Steve Kerr who has made a bunch of different lineups work effectively. And then, hey, what do you know? In the conference finals yet again, with a team that nobody said was worth anything, is Eric Spolstra on the Heat, who is one of the best coaches in the NBA and has been and somehow has never won a coach of the year just because of circumstances and other teams. It's a very narrative-driven award. But, like, coaches do matter. And I, I just, I don't like it. I don't like the trend. I think it's kind of ridiculous. We just use them as a scapegoat and just pay somebody else to do it again. So that players don't have to take any responsibility for it, that they just didn't execute. Sometimes you just don't execute a game plan. A game plan can be fine. And then if you lose, they just, you know, he didn't make adjustments. He didn't do this or that. Sometimes you just can't stop Jason Tatum from scoring 50. He'll do it no matter who was coaching. But that's that's just my little mini rant. Well, it's probably just a full size rant at this point, but uh, we can move on after that. That's all I had to say about the NBA. Uh, unless anybody else would like to pitch in. I mean, I mean, the other point I just want to make about the coaches, right, is that, right, as as the saying goes, right, you can't fire the players. So yeah. if you need to change, right, sometimes the coach can be the scapegoat here. But in some of these situations, I don't think anybody needed to get fired in the first place. I agree. Like, did the Bucks need to fire anybody? No. You, you, you screwed up a playoff series. You'll probably be one of the better teams again next year. So just try it again next year. Nobody needed to get fired. Same thing with I the Suns. Yep. It was such a new team, too. They traded so many people and just got Durant in. I think they had 10 regular season games together in the playoffs, and you're just going to fire a coach? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I wouldn't be shocked if one of these three or four teams that we talked about that fired coaches that have all basically won Coach of the Year, like, Every one of those guys won Coach of the Year at some point in the last five years, basically, except for Doc Rivers. Uh, One of those teams will be worse next year with whoever they coach, and all of a sudden those fan bases will be wanting those coaches that they desperately, desperately wanted fired for losing a playoff series, which, guess what? All the teams in playoff series are good, and only one team wins a championship per season. I, I don't know why nobody can see that. It seems ridiculous to me, but we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm interested for that, too. So we'll move on to uh, one playoffs to the next playoffs, and uh, we'll talk about some hockey, ice hockey to be specific. In the NHL, we are almost, almost at the same point as the NBA. We are one game away from the conference finals being established. Um, Overall in the East, we've got to start asking the question, are the Florida Panthers for real? Um, we all know they took down the Boston Bruins in seven games. And they went and pretty much just dismantled the Maple Leafs in a series that wasn't, series that wasn't, uh, wasn't close or competitive. Uh, four to one 
uh, four games to one in that series. And uh, there were some one-goal games in there, but uh, the Panthers found a way to win them and uh, are moving on to the conference finals. Now, my initial reaction was to say that the Panthers know they still aren't for real. The hockey playoffs tend to be fluky. But then Victor reminded me that the Panthers did win the President's Cup last year. Last year, they were the best team in the regular season. Um, so I'm starting to believe in the Panthers um, just because of that, right? They, they were the best team last year, so it's not like this came out of nowhere. Um, and now they're making their playoff run. It's sort of like what Chicago did last year, right? They won the President's Cup in 2021 and then won the, the Stanley Cup in 2022. Could we have a repeat of that um, with the Panthers winning the President's Cup in 2022 and the Stanley Cup in 2023? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. But um, it was certainly interesting to see that, um, that Florida handled the Maple Leafs seemingly so easily going on from that. Their opponent in the Eastern Conference Finals will be exactly what most people thought it was. The Carolina Hurricanes knocked off the New Jersey Devils four games to one um, in that series. They will advance to the Conference Finals, and they will they will be hosting the Panthers, um, of course, in game one, whenever that is the date for it hasn't been announced. Um, and the Hurricanes pretty much dominated that series. Outside of... Uh, no goal, No game was decided by less than four goals except Game 5. The Hurricanes won 5-1, 6-1, and 6-1 with an 8-4 loss sprinkled in there before winning uh, Game 5 in overtime. So pretty dominant from Carolina. So Carolina, Florida um, in the East. Out West, the Vegas Golden Knights knocked off the Oilers four games to two. It will be their third – or sorry, their second um, – Conference title, or yeah, conference title series appearance um, in their short franchise history um, as their recent expansion team. So keep an eye on that as they knocked out the Oilers. I thought the Oilers were um, the better team, so I was somewhat surprised to uh, to see that was the case. But there it is. And then the last game, Game Seven, is tonight between the. Um, Stars and the Kraken. Um, game 7 tonight at 7 p.m. Um, we could see the two most recent expansion teams in the, the Knights and the Kraken in the Western Conference Finals, um, which would be something. I think it would be sad because, you know, they both need to be bad for longer before they can be good. But I also hate the Stars. So this is just a, a lose-lose-lose situation. Like, the, the, I don't want to root for anybody anymore. There's nobody to root for anymore, in my opinion. <laughs> Which is, um, which is definitely sad. I prefer to have somebody who I want to root for in the NHL playoffs, and there's really not anymore. I mean, Carolina, I guess, but they're the most recent team to have won the cup of anybody who's left. I talked about the expansion teams. I hate the Stars because they stole our franchise, and, um, and that just leaves the Panthers. So I guess the Panthers? I don't know. So, yeah. Certainly rooting for whoever comes out of the East. I know that. Um, just not sure I love either of those two teams either. So, But keep an eye on that. The conference finals will be starting later this week um, once the matchups are decided. So I, on next week's episode, we'll fill you in on how those two series have started. Yeah. The, I mean, 
I honestly didn't think that the Kraken were going to take it this far. So, man, they're they're playing really well. But I don't know who I'm rooting for. I was kind of I kind of had my money on the Maple Leafs until they fell apart. Yeah, they did not play a good series. And the only other thing in the NHL I want to mention, unless uh, either of you have any other thoughts on the playoffs, is that uh, the draft lottery was um, last week, and I don't think we talked about this in last week's episode, but the Chicago Blackhawks had the third best odds of getting the number one overall pick, um, but they did win the draft lottery um, and will get, um, there's a consensus number one player, I can't remember what his name is, but he's definitely the consensus Out number one Out of Canada. Player. Yeah. No like surprise. A lot there. of good hockey and players. The, yeah. And who who won it, right? The Blackhawks won it. Yes. Right. And Blackhawk I saw an article that said Blackhawks ticket sales are already up like a tremendous amount. Um once everyone found out that they got that number one overall pick. Connor Bedard? Bedard? Something like that. Like yeah, that's consensus right. number one pick. Um in related news, I also forgot to say the uh, the NBA draft lottery is tomorrow on Wednesday, so we'll get to see who gets to draft Victor Wembanyama, who is considered a generational talent there, and I'll be excited to get to watch him play next year. Yeah, that will be interesting. Again, we'll see, and then then you know, just like we got every year, oh, the lottery's rigged, blah blah blah, and we'll get that same thing in the NBA. Just stop it. It's not okay. Just stop it. That's enough. I'm not talking about that. With the exception of one year in the NBA. It was definitely it was definitely rigged one year in the NBA, but which year? The year that New York got Pat Ewing, but oh. Other than that, I don't I don't think it's rigged. Most things aren't rigged. People just like the idea that they have to blame for their misfortune. You actually just suck, so get over it. It's like, how did Chicago jump up from three to to one? It was like, well, they had like a twelve percent chance of <laughs> right. it happening. Like that's, that's how, how lotteries work. That's why they don't do it like the NBA, the NFL. Otherwise, we'd know who had it immediately. Sometimes different things happen. There was a one in eight chance of that happening, and it happened. There was only like a one in five chance of the best team getting it. Like it would have been, it's it was unlikely that whoever had the best odds, I can't remember if it was Anaheim or Columbus, um, got it. That would have been unlikely. That was an unlikely outcome. It may have been the most likely, but still an unlikely outcome. So. No, I'm not that. Our upset. country is not good with math or statistics, so no surprise there. I like math and statistics, so I'm here to help. And I'm also, of course, here to help fill you in on rules across all sports. And this week, we're going to focus on Major League Baseball. We're going to focus on umpires interfering. So we're going to sort of do this trivia style. I'm going to give you three a scenario. This is a real-life scenario that happened within the last couple of weeks, and you're going to tell me how this play should be officiated. Runner on first, I believe, two outs, ground ball down the third base line, third baseman fields it, throws to first, the first base umpire ends up out of position, the ball hits the first base umpire, the throw does, it hits the first base umpire, um, and rolls away. Hits the first base umpire before it got to the first baseman, for the record. It was a throw that the first baseman likely would have caught. Ends up hitting the umpire who was out of position, and the ball gets away. How do you rule this play? Play on. Dead ball, alert the base? Yeah, dead, dead ball, 
award award the base, I guess. All right. So Arian says live ball. Wyatt and Kyle say dead ball. Award the base. Arian, you are correct. Yeah. Let's go. The, the only cases where umpire interference can be called is if the home plate umpire contacts a catcher trying to throw out a runner stealing or if a batted ball hits an umpire in front of the infielders. Those are the only times umpire interference is called. All the other times, umpires are in play, even if they're not where they should be, as that umpire was, um, and gets hit with a ball that would have been an out. It's a live ball. Play on. People can keep running. Everything. In, inside, if they were inside the infielder and got hit, that would be Correct. a dead ball. Inside the infielder okay. is dead, yes. If a batted ball hits an umpire before the ball passes the infielder, that's gotcha. how it's phrased. He doesn't have to start in front of the infielders, but if it hits him in front of the infielders, I don't know how it would hit him in in, in that situation. But you know, that's the way the rule is is phrased. So, with the exception of if the ball hits the pitcher before the umpire, mm-hmm. then then it's live. Does that does that make sense? Can't interfere with an umpire. Or the umpire can very rarely interfere with a ball in play. Very rare. Yeah, makes sense. Even like yeah. a pass ball that hits an umpire, that's live. Things like that. Cool. That's that one. Just a short, quick one for you, but wanted to get that since I saw it this last week and wanted to get it out there. Moving on to our accountability session for the week. A lot of NBA and MLB and NHL stuff coming off the board this week, especially from Arian. Um, we'll start it off, Arian predicting that the Nuggets do not make the conference finals, as he told us during the NBA segment, though they did with their win over the Suns. So Arian gets a meh. Meh. Arian, you did, you, you did redeem yourself by predicting that um, – Jimmy Butler and the Heat will defeat the Knicks to go to the conference finals, which they did. So, ding, 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 ding. I predicted a Hurricanes-Oilers Cup final, which didn't happen with the Oilers' loss to the Knights. So, nah. 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 Uh, If you remember from last week's episode, there was some confusion about Kyle's prediction. We did go back um, and clarify that he predicted that the Royals would take three out of four, exactly three out of four from the White Sox which we gave them a triple four, and they did do that. So, ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding. Also, they won, they won that final game on a walk-off bunt. Nice. Yeah. I like that, that wow. style. Not breaking news, but the White Sox defense is really, really, really bad. They're, they're a bad defensive team. They Just bad, bad, bad. Um, next off the board is Arian predicting that George Niang and the 76ers move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is Arian told you they did not. So, nah. 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 And Kyle, you predicted a Warriors Heat Finals, which also did not happen. So, nah. 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 I think uh, we just need to stop predicting NBA things because most of our NBA predictions are wrong. Uh, That's mostly embarrassing for me since I'm supposed to be the NBA um, guy. That's pretty ominous coming up here, Mike. So <laughs> yeah, that's uh, exciting for us. Buyer beware. Yeah, we will see how that goes. But uh, I'll start with a baseball prediction. I am staying away from the NBA. I'm going to predict the the Twins. They're on a West Coast road trip here. Um, three against the Dodgers. Three against the Angels. I think they're both three game series. Let me double check that. 
Yes. Two three-game series against the Dodgers and Angels. I'm going to predict that the Twins at least split that series. Three and three. At least three and three, yes. Are you waiting for me to provide numbers, or are you thinking? What do you want, what do you want here? I was thinking. Uh, I was, I was thinking. waiting for somebody to talk first. <laughs> Why, it's a follower. So against the Dodgers, I'll give you the pitching matchups if that helps. Just let me know what you need. I'm also doing some research because I don't know how good the Angels are right now. Decent. Average, yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah, they're not great, but they're definitely not bad. And the Dodgers are good. As always. If you have good versus not bad, or good, sorry, good plus not bad, um, are you going to get 50%? Probably. Which probably is a double. I was also just kind of gut feeling double without looking at any of the numbers because I don't want to click on that many things. I'm fine with the double. Kyle, any thoughts? Yep. Any, uh, yeah. any vibes? Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. Call me a follower. I decided to be a double. <laughs> Do you think from Josh's weeks, he's still alive? He's still alive, doing good. Um, he's liking the Brewers' um, sweep of the Royals this last weekend. And uh, since Christian Yelich is back, he's predicting that the um, that Christian Yelich specifically hits at least three home runs before next Monday. He loves predicting home runs. He does. Especially he- for Christian Yelich. Three seems like a lot in a week. Necessarily like a huge power hitter. I mean, yeah, normally we say double or triple on these things. I don't know which one we want to do right now. I'm but... good with the triple. Yeah, that's got to be a triple. He's seven on the season. Seven home runs in 39 games. That That's at least a triple. Yeah, one every five and a half games. Yeah. So probably not going to happen. I'm, I'm fine with the triple. I'm good with that. Triple it is. I'll start us off on the mistake of predicting NBA predictions. Uh, I'm going to say that the last NBA Finals game is going to be decided by no more than three points. It's going to be a, a tight Ooh, final game. That is very close. tight. And we are also predicting a ways out there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess we could look at, you know, all these games, but I don't know how much that benefits yeah. us. I mean... To me, this is probably a triple. Um, or I was going to say just a triple, a probably, triple. or a home run. I'll, I'll give it a home I, run. I was going to give it a home run. So. so I'm swinging for the fences. I'll take, yeah, I'm fine with that. that I want very post, specific. So. I'd like it, though. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, I am not only predicting the winner of both series, but I am predicting the games both series will last. So East Heat in six, West Lakers in six, rematch of the COVID NBA finals, the bubble finals. Yeah, easy. I mean, just the, I mean, yeah, it might be just a home run just six to say both of those run. teams would win. It might be enough just to say both of those teams would win. I yeah, mean, yeah, according to 538, close. only up 6.3% chance both those teams win. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they they gave the Heat like a 3% chance, so. Well, that 538 gives them more than that. Oh, yeah, sorry, BPI. Yeah, 538 gives the Heat a 22% chance, and the Lakers 29. That's more reasonable, in my opinion. I mean, if this came true, this would be an all-time bet. Like, if you put 100 bucks on that, you'd go out very well. (laughs) 
anyway, home run. Yeah, home run. Yeah. All right, Ed. All right, sticking with our uh, really well-proven track record of NBA bets, uh, I am going to go ahead and jump on the board and say Jimmy Butler or Jimmy G buckets, as he has known will be the leading scorer in the Heat Celtics series. So once the series is over, no one in that, all those two teams will have scored more points than Jimmy Butler. Mm. The Heat don't have to win this series for this prediction to be correct, right? That is correct. Jason Tatum is going to score a lot of points. But Jason Tatum has more help. It's it's probably either going to be him or Tatum, though, realistically, right? Realistically, yeah. The only other people I could see it being are Jalen Brown or if Bam Adebayo somehow goes off, that, that could potentially happen. You're looking at one of three people, basically, in my opinion. It'll probably be Tatum. But Jimmy Butler, I feel like, has a little bit less help on his team, so he kind of has yeah, to score. For sure, yeah. This is either a single or a double. I'm willing I, to say it's a double. I, I was know. leading towards single, so why it break the tie? I don't know. I was aiming for a double if it matters. But a single would make us hit the cycle. Uh, <laughs> take one for the team, Arion. Do I, do I need to make another prediction? Or? No. Here, hold on. Let me just... No, that, that can be a double. Here, here's another prediction. Celtics win the series. There you go. That's a single. All right. That I'll would be a single if you want to put. I'll take a, put it. a double and a single. All okay. right, that works. So with a single, two doubles, a triple, and two home runs, that concludes our write that down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 Cast, episode 223. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311Cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311 Cast, we have your hosts, Michael Mersh, Mike Ariane Barry and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!